Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited the both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when the host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who are exalted, who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I'd invite the assembly to please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you know this. I get invited to a lot of weddings. I don't like to brag too much, but... It's just pretty commonplace. It's part of my lot as a pastor, but don't think that it's because they think I'm the life of the party. It's oftentimes a very functional purpose. I'm there to help with the ceremonies. And every time I'm ready to go to a wedding and I'm about to leave the house, my lovely, lovely wife always likes to stop me and give me one little polite word of encouragement, we'll call it. She looks at me and she always says the same thing. Zach, I know what you're about to do. And I know what you're thinking, but I want you to think about this. Three fewer jokes would be much appreciated by the bride. So if you could just, three fewer jokes would be far more appropriate for the situation. I, I just want you to remember that. And then she kisses me on the cheek and I get in the car where I remind myself that she's wrong. And then I add three jokes in her honor. It's really quite great. And I have a, a sort of routine that I use, right? I have a structure, although each sermon I use is different for depending upon the couple and the experiences and relationship we have. There's always this opening sort of joke I just can't help myself with, right? And it's a simple one. And it's this really great opportunity at the beginning of the homily. I'll have the couple look out at the assembly, right? And it's this beautiful moment where I sit there and I say, now, now look at the people and look at your friends and your family and your neighbors and those acquaintances you don't really know that well, but for some reason inexplicably invited you to their wedding, and out of a sense of mutual obligation, you've now had to invite them to yours. Yeah, right, those people, right? And that joke, about 50% of the time, lands every time. And it's great, right? But the joke actually gets to a bigger point that we do that sometimes. It doesn't have to be weddings. Maybe it's a birthday party, right? It doesn't matter. We have this weird thing culturally where if someone invites us to something, we almost feel like we're obligated to invite them. It's like this transaction, right? We have to pay back that which we've been given. And Jesus today takes this observation and puts it into a parable about a wedding banquet as he watches the Pharisees and the way that they treat the invitations to a meal that they are sharing. 
And in this parable, it turns this whole idea of personal gain and prestige on its head. Now, depending how you look at it, Jesus is either the best or the worst wedding guest you could possibly have, right? If you're in John's gospel, Jesus is great because Jesus literally keeps the party alive by turning water into wine. That's the guy I need coming to my wedding. On the other hand, today in Luke's gospel, it's a little bit different. Jesus goes up to those throwing the party and, and challenges them and says that they need to be more humble. And then he gives advice about the invite list that nobody asked for. But that's the thing here, right? Jesus is here to teach us something deeper, something about the kingdom that he is ushering in. And so let's, let's start with that idea of the humbleness, right? Because I'm very humble. I tell people all the time just how humble I am. And, and so it's a good place for me to start. See, that's, that's why my wife doesn't like me doing jokes. That right there is, is a good example. But, but this idea here today is this text isn't about good manners or proper etiquette. But instead, it's about calling into question how we as a society define good and bad guests. What does it mean to be a good guest? What does it mean to be a good host? And this is important because, you see, table fellowship is as important 2,000 years ago as it is now. We like to gather to share in celebrations, and we oftentimes celebrate together over food. Whether it be a, a banquet for a wedding, a birthday party with a cake, a funeral with a luncheon to follow, or a business dealing had over a meal, we like to meet over food. Indeed, food forms community. I mean, that's the whole idea behind these Wednesday night dinners, is that if you provide food, people are going to show up. They don't care what you're doing. And it holds pretty true. And so the question then becomes, how do we engage each other as hosts and guests respectively? And the thing that Jesus points to today is that as a host or as a guest, the key is humility. Humility is what it is that defines you as a good guest or a good host. It has nothing to do with proper etiquette or any of the rest. And for guests then, this means not assuming your place of prestige, not assuming a place at the head table. Now, let me ask this. How many of you have ever been to a wedding before? Raise your hand. Okay, so many of you have been to a wedding before. How many of you at that wedding have gone to that table with the seating little cards, right? And you pick up your card and you get a number, right? We've all had that experience. And that experience, you pick it up and you're like, 14? I'm a 14? There's 18 tables here and I'm a 14. That's like extended aunts and uncles. I'm a 14? I'm at least a six material at worst, right? We all, have, we all we know we do that, right? But have you ever had the urge from there to say, well, the heck with this, I'm going to go sit at the head table. I mean, I did the ceremony. It was pretty good. Half the jokes landed. I deserve a place there. They get served first anyway. No, right? Why? Because it's crazy. So from a practical perspective, Jesus says, don't put yourself in that situation. Don't go to the wedding and go sit at the head table unless you're invited to sit at the head table. And as pastor, I've sat through quite a few awkward receptions at a head table before. The point is that from a practical perspective, don't do that. But from a spiritual perspective, too, it reminds us that exaltation comes through humbleness. And we know that because it's exemplified in Christ. Christ, who is exalted in being humbly lifted up on the cross. 
and humility. Humbleness is likewise an important thing for the hosts. The hosts who make the invitations. And what he says is move away from inviting those who you think are going to give you something good in return. Just because they're going to bring you a beautiful gift doesn't mean they deserve a place there. In fact, when you're making your invitations, don't think about what your guests could give to you, but instead consider what it is that you have to offer them. How many of you are familiar with that old adage, you're only as good as the company you keep? Right? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, of course. It's terrible advice, but we say it anyway. You're only as good as the company you keep takes on new meaning if you consider the company that Jesus chooses to keep. Think about it for a moment. He, he lists them for us today. He says, well, my company will include the poor, which we know from his birth even, right? The shepherds out in the fields, the lowliest of the low, or the widows who he engages time and time again throughout his ministry. It's going to include, he says, the crippled. The crippled, like the woman who last week was bent over for 18 years with affliction until it was that he was able to lift her up straight once more. He says that lame, like the man with dropsy whose story and healing we miss in our lipseed gospel today. And the blind, like the poor beggar who was outside of the gates of Jericho a few chapters later. Who Jesus invites in for conversation. Who Jesus invites in to glimpse the very kingdom of God. What Jesus is getting to with this whole image of invitation today is that there's more to life than seeking blessings from others. That if our whole purpose in life is to only invite people in for our own gain, then we have missed the point of life in whole. But instead, Jesus invites us to be a blessing for others and then says that righteous living will reflect that blessing that we've already received and draw us into communion into community not just with the divine but the company that they keep jesus sets us up for this from the very beginning of this gospel in the beatitudes jesus says blessed are those who are poor or hungry or weep now it should come as no surprise that now Jesus is doubling down on that promise of who it is that is blessed and therefore who it is that should be invited to the table. And so I think that's our call today. It's time that we leave the kitty table behind. The kitty table where we only seek to give expecting something in return. And instead, accept the invitation to the divine table. A table where all are welcome. A table where all are blessed. A table where all the saints throughout all time are gathered and fed regardless of who you are. Because who you are is more than enough. And who you are now is certainly blessed as well. Thanks be to God. Amen.